0: Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. In this episode, we discuss to take the jab or not to take the jab. How do Christians view the concept of vaccine mandates through the lens of loving your neighbors and submitting to the government? Let's get Salted. Welcome to the Salted Podcast, my name is Yone. This is Dan And we are very grateful that you are here And you are alive and well on the backside of a five-part contemporary critical theory series We still have listeners We still do, maybe I mean, we're recording this and we're hoping people listen But today, we are dealing with a very big and yet small and pointy conversation It's a sharp topic, it's man It's a sharp topic Well, don't turn us off after that. Okay, keep going. We're talking about the jab, to take the jab or not to take the jab. Should we receive willingly that Fauci ouchie? Yes. Or not receive. And, and of course, by jab, we mean jabs uh, slash boosters, right? Right. So we're going to take on the vaccine question. And whether or not we, as Christians, how are we viewing this and how are we having a conversation about this, specifically the the idea of a mandate and making it a requirement and if you stick around long enough we will also deal with the personal preference of in this beautiful fall season do you prefer to gallivant around an apple picking orchard or a lovely little pumpkin patch yeah and you know is this specifically a question about gallivanting Yes, it's a requirement. So okay. you really you've got a thirty that'll, or forty minutes to consider that. That'll change year. my answer. <laughs> yes, so we're talking about the jab, and what is currently happening is that vaccine mandates are here, um, whether it be governmental mandates, whether it be uh, your private business entity requiring vaccinations, and kind of those deadlines are hitting. As we're recording this, and so uh, there's a very large conversation in not only nationally but within the church world around how do I respond to said mandates uh, specific to the vaccination.
1: That's actually, that's actually brings up uh, the very reason why uh, this would make sense for us to do, and it has specifically to do with. Uh, not really the level of national interest or news coverage, Joan, but more importantly for me, it has to do with how often I'm asked this question from church family members and and um, people that are close to me that have a, a sincere interest in Are there some guiding principles either that will help me hold my basically that, that will help me hold my position, whatever it is? Right. So I get enough of these questions that I thought. This is probably as as controversial and as divisive as this topic is, um, might be helpful to somebody to weigh in on it.
0: Yeah, and it's probably good to acknowledge that our starting point is that we're assuming that that's the disposition people have as they ask these conversations, ask these questions of the the simultaneously wanting to honor God in the way they live their lives, and also. navigating what it's like to be a Christian in twenty first century America and and the the governmental political system in which we we abide in and the freedoms that we enjoy. So I think that's probably the the disposition that people have, the starting point, as opposed to you're a scumbag and you want to murder people or you're a scumbag and you want to put me in a gulag. Yeah, we're not
1: confronting
0: extremes here. Right. We're not
1: um we're not trying to level with or reason with people that have an unreasonably um I mean, extreme uh, side or decision uh, of their own. So, um, so I think that's
0: worth pointing out. Yep. So we're kind of primarily dealing with two biblical principles that are generally surface in this conversation, and a lot of times we translate. We start to show talking about translating kind of the broader cultural conversation around the topic. Um, And today we're we're really kind of focusing on the. The Christian, the internal debate that goes on within the Christian circles, and kind of translating that specific to two biblical principles that seem to be emerging as the primary ways in which people are kind of navigating and, and viewing this. And uh, the first one is the idea uh, of love your neighbor, and how the idea of loving your neighbor selflessly is laying down your life for another person, and your you know your own um, intentions, wills, desires. Uh, and where does that fall on one side of the spectrum? So the you're saying
1: that's the rationale being used by Christians to say this is um, this is the the vaccine is something I'm going to accept or that everybody
0: should accept. Yeah, I think that's probably primarily the way that that, that one side of the argument says you should abide by the vaccine mandate because. It's the best way to love your neighbor. Yes, okay. Um, The other side is, well, what does it look like to embody the biblical principle of submitting to government authority? And what does that look like in the uh, 21st century American context? And specifically, we'll talk a little bit about um, the idea around religious exemptions. Are there specific religious exemptions within Christianity that we could point to? And then the, um, the conversation around, is this, in fact, the mark of the beast? Now that's I mean that we,
1: is so dramatic the way that you I left know. that hanging. I just left it hanging there, and <laughs> I, was I thought there was for more. To I say was, yes or no. I know. I thought there was more. <laughs> like this sounds epic. Yes. Well, we will talk. But about that's that. not. That's not. We're not going to make light
0: of that. No, no. For, of course not. That's. I mean, some people have a legitimate question and concern about what that looks like and what some of the, the things that are being you know advocated for, and mm. we certainly don't want to just unwittingly take the mark yeah. of the beast and that's yeah. a big deal right so um, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well so that two- sounds so
1: crazy doesn't it when you say unwittingly take the mark of the beast yeah. as if you know you're like listen i don't i cannot have caffeine after two o'clock so is this decaf right and also, does it include the mark of the beast? Yeah. I mean, wow. it sounds so normal and natural when you say it that way.
0: You can never trust those diners. Uh, That's diners. Yep, Lucifer incarnate. Um, is that just because the coffee's not generally very good? But anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. Two things: love your neighbor, and do we embrace the vaccine mandates and inv- embrace the idea of taking on that that vaccine for the sake of my neighbor? And then, what does it also look like in terms of how do I, if I disagree? with that, um, how do I submit to government authority and embrace that b- biblical principle in navigating this? Right. Is
1: this the part two, Yon, where we point out people kind of embracing religious exemption?
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be, We yes. In terms of translating what the arguments are yes, out Yes, exactly. There, right? Yep, correct. Yep. And so maybe it's a good place to start with saying, okay, well, let's we're talking about the vaccine mandates uh, and the vaccines in general. Here are some just general statistics, which we know are changing every single day. And we also know that the the politicization of statistics is is a thing yeah, right and you can yeah. pick and choose some data points to prove your uh, to prove your side of the argument but we're just here's just some ideas around kind of how widely embraced the vaccines are um just is from the Mayo Clini- clinic uh, there's obviously different age brackets in how many people are being vaccinated but they have some statistics around there's 86% of our 65 to 74 year olds have been fully vaccinated. So Mm. double that's, I think that's just double dosed, no booster included, but right. 50 to 60 year olds, there's 74%. These are, these are actually really pretty high percentages. And, um, I think the lowest one we have is 12 to 17 year olds. There's 48% are are vaccinated. So I think the, the prevailing idea is, and again, this is, Maybe some of the frustration for people is the numbers, the target number is sometimes changing, but mm. they think maybe between 80 and 90%, eighty above 80% is kind of generally that's what people want to get to as a whole. Um, and then there's other statistics, right? I mean, in terms of, well, why is it important? Um, some of the stuff in terms of the counting which we live in, like is like some people think, well, COVID's no longer a thing, right? Okay, well, let's look at some of the, some of the statistics and say, in Onondaga County, students, like high school and elementary uh, students, there's one point three two percent of all the students being tested are tested positive for COVID, which is thirteen out of a thousand. Right. Which seems relatively low. I yeah. don't know, but um,
1: and, and that's a report that was released by the county executive right. here uh, to the local media that um, out of every one thousand students in a school district, it turns out it's turning up that one point three two
0: percent. Right. or positive. Yep, and then there was actually a, a study done, there was a, a poll done in terms of COVID hospitalization. So in terms of how do people perceive where we are oh, in this pandemic? These are interesting too. When you look at um,
1: who and which side of the political aisle is right. accused of, of believing misinformation, right. it's, it's very, very uh, enlightening yep. to see the
0: misinformation and who believes what. Yep, exactly. And so the, one of the polls was done, they were asking... Um, they were asking what percentage of people who contract COVID end up in the hospital. Mm. so they asked and they differentiate between Democrats and Republicans. And there was a little bit of difference, but the actual number is somewhere between one and 2% of people who contract COVID end up in the hospital. Mm. And you can have debates about what ending up in the hospital means. Right, Um, right. But um, there was a little bit of difference that in terms of 50% of the people the the people who believe that 50% of those people who get COVID end up in the hospital, right? So if you get, wow. if, if there's a hundred people who get tested positive for COVID, they believe 50 of those people end up in the hospital. The combination of Democrats and Republicans was somewhere in the realm of like 45% of the people polled believe that. Wow. So they have a, you know, somewhere between a 25 and a 35% multiplication of what actually yeah. happens. Yep. Wow. They misunderstand how you end up in it? kind
1: of it kind of pulls me back to the one of the initial episodes that we recorded you where we talked about how the media uh, sees you as a customer right and they don't see themselves as someone who is just pushing out everything fairly and equally with the equal amount of weight and value that they select what their audience needs wants to hear right and that selection is based on what enrages them Yep. what angers them right so you feed your audience what they want to hear so that the ratings and the engagement stays high and that's how you as a quote-unquote news organization or a media company that's how you make your money right so you're not profitable if there's no engagement or your the the level of basically the level of anger goes down so you keep you keep having to feed uh, even if it's statistics, you have to find a way
0: to scare people with them, yeah, and, and you, enrage them yeah, with them. Exactly. You kind of look at the business model: is what's the worst thing for a news agency or, or, or a media? It's really just apathy, right? Yeah. People, what? So you want them to be either angry or scared, yeah. or that's how you kind of get to your eyeballs, right. right? And so, so one of the things that we want to do is well, the, you know, let's transcend, as we always say, let's kind of rise above the, you know, the, you know, the current cultural landscape and realize, okay. There are, there are motives behind a lot of the ways that people use their, their data and, uh, data or data. Which one is
1: it? Uh, I really think it's, um, Star Trek. No, I think it's, it, it really is based on
0: your conscience. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go data because I'm a Star Trek next generation guy. <laughs> I grew up on it, but, um, so we, so let's kind of look, kind of go beyond the, okay, here's the narrative and why, why these news agencies might want you to to not really have all the information and to have you either angry or, or scared um, for their ratings. And let's look at the biblical principles, like we said. You know, if uh, uh, the idea that the first biblical principle of loving your neighbor is an important part of what we do as Christians, and it guides the way in which we live and interact with people, because obviously Jesus summarized the entire law into two rules, love God and love others. And, you know, the whole parable of, um, the, the Samaritan and all of, goes into what is your neighbor and what does that mean and how should you live? It, it, we all generally want to follow that and abide by that. And so what does that look like? And I think we all embrace this. And we were talking about this the other day. We, we remember when we canceled service on a Friday yeah. and we were live streaming on a Sunday because we
1: canceled Saturday
0: yeah, evening. Oh, yeah. Yep. And canceled. streaming the next morning. That's right. And cause, because we, along with everybody, said it's best for our community. We right. want two weeks to flatten the curve. We want to help the healthcare system. We don't want this to right. overwhelm the—and we did it as an act of love, saying we, we want to be good citizens and good neighbors. Right. It, we did our part. And, and, and we taught this. We have a series called um, Sunday
1: Morning Series uh, in our church family called Salted. And one of the main components of that series, Yon, was the part uh, in the New Testament where Paul is teaching Timothy— how to deal with, how to lead your church in a way that advances this really, really life-altering news called the good news. And, and one of the aspects of it was that you pray for your government officials and you partner with them. In other words, the easier you make their job, the easier your job of advancing the kingdom and uh, advancing the gospel becomes for Christians. So he basically says, just live at peace with them. Pray for them as if they're your own family. Um, and that led us to this word partner, right. partner with local officials. And that's what our church did at the beginning with
0: the idea that we're going to do our part to flatten the curve right. for the next few weeks. Right. And that's a precedent that even goes back to the Old Testament. Where, you know, we all quote Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, but in verse 7, He's describing to the people of Israel: Go and contribute and pursue the flourishing of the cities. Right. And they're not talking about the Jewish cities; they're talking about the cities that they're living in in exile. Right. right. So right. do all you can. Yep. With the gifts you've been given, with the grace God's
1: given you, with the blessings that He's kind of, uh, kind of bestowed
0: on you as His people, and contribute them, add to the flourishing of the city. Yep. Exactly. And so do that your part. Yeah. And that's where we started. And now you know we're currently we're having conversations about well what does it look like to live in a in the continuing pandemic of COVID? Uh, some people say endemic, but um, in terms of Anthony Fauci, Doctor Fauci saying, hey, okay, can we gather for Christmas? And the answer is no. I don't think we can gather for Christmas, right? You um, you can't be with your family, or as we look at the mandates, you look at now we're in. Okay, well we've turned into what does you know? There's an argument being made that loving your neighbor is. Go and get your go and get the vaccine, so that you don't. You know, to be blunt, they say don't, so you're not killing other people, you're not transmitting disease and infecting other people, or uh, the other argument is love your neighbor, so that if you get the vaccination, that get the vaccine and you contract COVID, your symptoms are significantly less than if you didn't have it, so you wouldn't be taking up a valuable like ICU bed or a hospital bed that could be used for somebody else. So these are kind of all the arguments for why taking the vaccine and embracing this love your neighbor ethos kind of shows up in like you said partnering with it's a continuation the argument is that it's a continuation of that initial two weeks to flatten the curve and it continues into okay now get the vaccine because that's the way in which you love your neighbor and right so you're going to contribute the best as far as the resources
1: that are within your control and the decisions that you make you're going to protect other people not just protect yourself, right. right? That the thought is that this is a way for me to elevate the needs, desires, safety, and security, and good well-being of my neighbor, even if um, I'm not too crazy about it myself.
0: Right. So this is it, this is a means by which you can lit, practically love your neighbor. Right, exactly. And you selflessly love your neighbor, not only your physical geographic neighbor, but the people that are... You know, as Jesus describes who your neighbor is, it's even the people that you disagree with and right. your enemy, and you have no yep. connection with, right? Yep. So you're going to take one for the team, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the the kind of the idea behind that is is that if you don't do that, then there you are risking you're putting other people at risk of harm. Yeah. Right. Yep. Specifically around getting contracting COVID, and the symptoms that go along with that, right? Or or there's a
1: national strategy to mitigate it, right? To reduce it and uh, perhaps even to eliminate it and it would be unloving not to
0: participate in that right and, and allow it to go on and kill people correct yes yeah. and even beyond the the health ramifications it's get the vaccine so that life can go back to normal right? right so that the most you know the most um you know vulnerable population of people like the grandparents they can they can leave their nursing home without fear of Dying, or they, or you can open stores up, and everyone can kind of participate in daily civic life, and things can go back to normal. School, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of like the approach of the one side. It says, well, to really embody that love your neighbor biblical principle, we should embrace the vaccines, and follow that you know that partnership with the government uh, authorities in the mandates. So that's kind of one side. There is kind of now, if you're on the other side of the argument, you, I mean, and you're listening, and you're you're. You don't agree with that. There is another side that says, well, what does love your neighbor look like on the other side of the argument, mm. right? How does it, it does it. the other side would potentially say, it's not very loving when you force me to take a medical procedure mm. and, and inject something into my body, right? It's, they would say, it's not really necessarily all that loving to say, you have to have this vaccine or you lose your livelihood or your kids can't go to school and get educated, right? You kind of are excluded from certain areas of life that you would think you're allowed to participate in. And seemingly eventually excluded from medical care as well. Sure. Yeah. If you, if you listen to some of the the more uh, extreme elements, it's okay, well, that person chose not to get vaccinated. We probably shouldn't provide them care when there's other people. I mean, there's doctors that are saying that, right? Right. They will no longer see uh, unvaccinated patients. Right. And you know, that's probably a pretty slippery slope where you think how many you people think? are in the hospital for, uh, for choices, choices they've exactly. made. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Um, so that's the other element, the other side of the love your... So it, it doesn't seem like any either side of the conversation has a monopoly on the love your neighbor argument. But
1: Unless, it is
0: used. Yeah, but it is used. It's used, and I I, I understand it. Yep. I understand it. And so the biblical, you know, so that's a big one. Right, we want to live in accordance with how God and specifically the Jesus kind of summarized the law and say, "Well, love your neighbor." Um, and so, I don't think we we're not going to solve it through the love your neighbor conversation of what do you do. Um, the, so then, the next biblical principle that kind of comes alongside that is, okay, well, if we can't really solve it in the love your neighbor conversation because both sides can say, well, either you know either side is either either not so loving or it is loving. Then the the next one we talk about is well, what does it look like to to submit to the government authorities and what's right. written in Romans and what Paul instructs us to do and how we submit to the to the government. Um, and so, really, in the Christian world, the question is well, do you do you take the jab simply because the government tells you to take the jab, or do you not take the jab?
1: Right, and I was thinking too, do you only take the jab if it's a law written by elected legislators? Or do you have to give in to every, um, I think it's what, executive order, you could call it in the ancient biblical times, it would be called a decree right. or a tyrannical whim. Sure. You know, the, mo- the more, cynic, uh, more cynical yep. person would probably call it a... So in other words, by what authority? Is it the authority of their position? Is it the authority of the law that was written by elected officials, uh, legislators, or is it just government authority is any representative that belongs to the government who has said this is what we're doing and of course of course it should be pointed out that when paul teaches on submitting to government i think it would be hard to make a case that what he means is uh, a legislative body that's passing laws right i think it's probably safe to say he's talking about whatever the whoever the emperor is i mean the
0: representative republic that was flourishing that's right yeah we the people that's right yeah we the jewish people we (laughs) the gentile people Yeah, when you look at obviously, we think we've said this a lot. It's when, when you read scripture and you read about how Jesus approached politics. It's okay. Well, the situation was pretty dire compared to what we're yep. going through. Yeah, yeah. So, That's worth reminding ourselves of too. That
1: what they were facing politically, and this is another question that I think gets raised with me quite often, is is some level of concern about how horrible the the the, the current culture is sure. in America. You know, right. in, in North America, yeah. in 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 United States. Yep. And I and I'm just cannot um I cannot avoid feeling like that the ancient cultures were so much more vulgar, painful. The persecution was right. over the top and, and very similar to some of the harshest places in the world right now. Yeah. That's what biblical culture was like. Right. Yep. So I kind of feel like now, you know, it's uh it's almost like first world problems when we think about quote unquote persecution or culture war or how bad we've gotten more morally.
0: Yep. And I think that's probably where the, um, where maybe some of the big debate around submitting to government authority is in the Christian world. And and part of it is connected to the love your neighbor, but really part of it is, okay, do it for the common good, right? You do it. You sub mm. you you subjugate some of your individual liberties. I think Dr. Fauci has said this. It's not time to exercise your individual liberties. It's time to to do something for the common good, mm. right? Which is you know, it's a good it's a good thought in theory, right? Yeah. And it's kind of it feels compelling because it pulls on the heartstrings, but it's a it's potentially a dangerous precedent to set. But so there's that element. But then there's also the element of well i want to we want to ensure that the freedoms that we enjoy are maintained and some of the people who would oppose a government mandate would would presuppose into the future and say well if we give away this liberty then we're slippery we're slowly sliding into something that we don't want to do and so an act of civil disobedience is a you know it's a proactive attempt to kind of maintain justice and liberty and right. and that kind of stuff so so that's kind of like maybe the the scenario in which we're in, but the question then becomes: Well, we have a vaccine mandate, right? Our, the philosophical conversation is one thing, yeah. but the next thing is there is a mandate out there, and as Christians, there's kind of two ways you can two kind of approaches to it when it comes to this. And the first one is a lot of times it's well, it's okay, I can just get around the mandate because I have a religious exemption, right? And there's something within my Christian faith that what um, is that Jon? You know, for someone who's listening who has heard that and isn't quite sure what that means yeah so it just i mean there are some things um that are built into the the mandate where if you, if you can prove that you you know your first amendment right of freedom to re, of freedom of religion if you can prove that well my it goes against my religion to get this vaccine um, then i am them exempt from the yeah. mandate right and so the question is what are some of the religious exemptions that are found In Christianity, in the Bible, that would say, No, here's, I can clearly point to this. Um, And that's your job. You got to tell us all of them, right? Yeah, I think there's 24 clearly laid out. I don't have them written down, but I will run them, run through them off the top of my head. (laughs) Yeah. This is kind of hard because we kind of, we dug into this. We spent a lot of time talking about this with with a good faith effort to say, Well, what is the religious exemption? And I think maybe um, we didn't have a lot of success coming up with really explicit ones but we can kind of infer maybe yeah yeah so there's kind of a you know, kind of like a f- maybe a philosophical approach which is you know our American form of government is based on individual rights and that our rights come from God yeah right? and so yeah. I can say my our right I am exempt because I believe that our rights are from God and those rights include the ability to decide for myself and what I put in my body as opposed you know in relative to medical procedures Right,
1: what you put in your body. Right, right, which is just different from um,
0: what I do with my body. Correct. Yes, exactly. So someone is essentially forcing a medical. You know, it's a, it's not a procedure, but it's you know forcing you to take some sort of medical intervention. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is, you know, the the Judeo Christian worldview informs the American form of government, and that's my religious exemption. Not, I don't think, a very compelling, strong case for religious exemption. Um, there's another one that's, you know, it's this idea of sincerely held beliefs, which is something that is kind of worked its way into the language of the church. And that, you know, that actually kind of work, that actually has relation to what kind of gets built into, and this is like church leadership, administrative nerd talk. So if you, if you don't love it, then that's okay. But one of the things about leading a church and specifically building into the constitution and bylaws, something that they call sincerely held beliefs. So these are things that you can say, well, I can discriminate against people that I hire and people that become members of our church and certain things that the church does that are not in alignment with governmental mandates. I can discriminate because they are sincerely held beliefs and discriminate is kind of a negative word, but that's kind of, you can, I can choose not to do something or embrace something because of my sincerely held beliefs. Now we haven't. I don't know about you, but we haven't. I haven't heard a compelling argument of how that how religious exemption fits into sincerely held beliefs. No, no, I haven't. Now I recognize these are a hot topic. I
1: recognize that there's people that we love who are facing uh, employment crisis over this or unemployment, right? Termination crisis, and yeah. they're processing this idea that um, there is an exemption available called religious exemption. That being said, Yon, um I, I could not come up with, and I still can't come up with what, what religious exemptions would be rooted in biblically. Unlike what you would get if someone says, I'm not going to have an abortion. I can't be forced to have an abortion because biblically, here's all the reasons why, I, uh, uh, reasons why I believe God designed that life. God brought that life to being, you know, uh, the physical act of conception then brings about the soul in that child, and now we've got ourselves a person. Yeah. Well, let's stay on religious exemption. Um, it 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 is very difficult for me to grasp as I read and listen and watch and learn. It's difficult for me to grasp uh, where the Bible protects you from a government mandated vaccine if we aren't using religious exemption for refusing to have our children vaccinated before we uh, enroll them in public school right or like most families who have kids who play sports you have to prove that you've had a tetanus shot or or what's the other shot that you've got to prove that you've had to uh, when you go get a physical you have to have what and te- uh, for a while there it was tb mm-hmm. um and, and uh, tetanus, I think, is is uh, might be one too. But there's shots that you have to demonstrate yeah. that you've your kids have.
0: And it's a it's something that's nice to think about to say, well, I have an out. I just say I I don't believe in in vaccines. But first of all, the question that becomes, well, is that a biblical thing that says you, you is that a biblical principle? And then B, is it a consistent biblical principle that you would play out in the multiple different ways in your life that shows up? Right? Yeah. So yeah, and then so you can kind of see how yeah there's a relig- some people make the argument for religious exemption but if we really kind of drill down and try to find it um i think a lot of times even when i'm processing this myself i f- i really have to disentangle my american yeah f- my american individual liberties Your constitutional bill of, B- bill of rights yes exactly right. and i think if we if you dear listener would would with you know heartfeltly consider that and say, well, where are, and we've been saying this kind of regularly is, you know, what, and that's the whole point of the podcast is how are we navigating these things from a biblical perspective and disentangling it from the other things that are informing the way we do things. Not that those things are bad, but they're not ultimate. Right. So that's kind of the religious exemption area. Yeah. And I guess,
1: I guess some of the, some of the conversation I've heard is around and you've mentioned this and I think I started to mention it is sincerely held beliefs yeah and I think I'm gonna circle back around to that, but that mm-hmm. that is one way in which people have said, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna sign this religious exemption, I'm gonna file it so that I can keep my job and not be terminated to protect myself from being terminated from this mandate right And I'm doing so because of sincerely held beliefs right And again, um, which beliefs right exactly <laughs> Is it constitutional freedoms yep. or is it Christian liberty freedoms right, right. And if it's Christian liberty freedoms, you know, I mean, what, what verse sure. are we? And I did not find very good verses.
0: Yeah. And you know, as much as I'm open to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't for lack of trying. That's for that's sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, I almost gave away our perspective by saying something, but I didn't. So close, that was very wily. So um, Reckless. Yeah. So again, we're on the, the topic of the principle of submitting to government authority, right? So the idea that you can get around that, um, that vaccine mandate through a religious exemption mm-hmm. or, or, you know, a, you, you, you lay down on your sincerely held beliefs. Right. But the other thing is, okay, well there, well, if we can't necessarily get ourselves out of the religious exemption, then the next thing is, okay, well, what does, you know, what are some negative things that we can see in terms of, well, that, or governments mandating things that, right. that might be construed as things like the mark of the beast yeah, and if, some of the signs of the end. time right, time. Right, because if you do uh, any
1: kind of study, research on what the Bible describes as the end, the way that the world begins to end, there is a major piece of the puzzle that is put in place to help that picture take shape. And that picture, uh, that puzzle piece is a mark right. of some kind right so what we have now is we have christian leaders um you know not necessarily christian wacko false teachers like long term lifelong pastors of significant churches who are describing this mandate from the government as the equivalent of the same as it, it probably is it may as well be the mark of the beast right Taking a mark, uh, which I'll I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But so that's uh, that's one of the ideas is that to submit to the government authority is biblical, but it ends when that mandate sounds like and can right. be described as you know or fits into the biblical narrative as the actual mark right. of the
0: beast. Yeah, and we kind of joked earlier about accidentally you know. Slipping into the Mark of the Beast and being like, Oh, I'll take a little bit of decaf and the Mark of the Beast. And I think that's maybe I think I've heard it a lot and it seems to be a running theme in the you know, is that it seems to me as though we're afraid that we will accidentally get it. And we it won't be as it won't be as plain yeah. and obvious as it as it should be or yeah. I, I believe it to be. Yeah. And I do remember when the Mark of the
1: Beast came Talk was surrounding credit cards. Right, you're going to give them your social security number, and you're going to give them access to your finances, it's and diners. you're going to club. It's the yeah, yeah diners club.
0: You talk about dating yourself. Yeah, I mean, I never had one, but your grandpa I, yeah. did. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we we talk about cryptocurrency a lot. a lot of people think cryptocurrency is now the is the mark of the beast too. Yeah. So we've got a double whammy here. But yeah. but it is. I mean, it's not, we we kind of joke about it, but it is right. There's a level of, and I think some of it is is the government's, you know, the the, the authorities' lack of transparency and message mixing that kind of creates a a sense of distrust in the yeah, in, in yeah. what they're mandating and why they're mandating That's it. So huge. there's a, so everyone call, everyone kind of leans to, oh, you're a bunch of conspiracy theorists. Well, you know there is, the government's not doing a very good job of, yeah. of making themselves credible and trustworthy to say, you know what, I do actually. That's you know, you're actually for me and not for yourselves. Yeah, yeah, you could probably,
1: this could easily be a topic, right, that we could talk about what is the source of some of the angst, really maybe even a lot of the angst in our culture, and the source is mistrust right? or is it distrust? I think it's both. What if I just said trust? I think a lack of trust. Yeah, a lack, there is a lack. There's a lack of trust, and that's fueling conspiracy, that's fueling, I think some really, really deep, harsh, hardcore um, convictions against a lack of support for, res- you know, um, challenging uh, elected leaders. You see this in the school boards. You know, there's a there's a lack of trust that's
0: uh, palpable now. Yeah, and one of the things I talk about in trust in terms of teams and interpersonal, and it's it's so critical is that you know, real trust is vulnerability based, and it's assuming that other person has the best my best interest in mind. Yeah. And they have good intentions. Right. And I think if you were to say, when you look at the relationship with people interpersonally, but then also on the broader political sp- stage, you can say, well, do you really, do I trust? And I think the, the government has done a terrible job of even corporate corporations saying, do I trust that that entity, those people have my best interest right. in mind? And I, and I probably would say most people don't agree with that, which is right. why you can get these conversations around, well, is this the mark of the beast? Right. So, yep. But for where we stand, probably not, but don't hold us against us. If it is, that's right. God. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. We had to put that disclaimer in. Now we're good. Um. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, the two, right. So that's kind of where we, and you're, you might be thinking, well, are you guys going to actually tell us what you believe? <laughs> right. Um. No, we've translated. That's kind of the, the conversation of where Christians are having, right. Yep. It's about love your neighbor. Who has the monopoly on loving your neighbor, and does that dictate how we live? Uh, also, submitting to government authority—how does that play? Do we just do it because that's the prevailing principle, or do we um, do we have conversations around what does it look like to, to operate in 21st century America and kind of have, be civilly disobedient and that kind of stuff? So, yeah. really, kind of now that the thats kind of like the translating in terms of how we're having the conversation. The next part is well. Really, what do we think the Bible says about this, and how do we approach it?
1: Yeah, specifically, love your neighbor and submit to government authority, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The first thing that comes to my mind when we think about love your neighbor, Yon, is who gets to define what love is, right? Do the elected government officials get to describe to the Christian church and Christian family what love is? Right. You know, uh, because if you trust the government leader's definition of what love is, you'll find yourself in some pretty convoluted definitions and pretty biased definitions of who gets the love and what that love is supposed to look like. So my first response to the idea that, you know, that the love your neighbor is a rationale for being vaccinated is to question who defines what love is? Why is it more loving to be vaccinated to reduce my symptoms, right? I'm still contagious. Right. I'm still transmitting the virus. Why is it more loving to protect myself if I'm still transmitting than it is um, to force somebody out of their work, out of their job, Mm -hmm. right? Wouldn't it be more loving to say, you don't need to be mandated, uh, you don't need to be vaccinated because um, you are, uh," isn't it more unloving to force someone out of their uh, gainful employment to provide for their family, also to force medical workers who are on the front lines of caring for COVID patients off the job because they didn't, Uh, receive this mandated vaccine. So I'm not advocating for one or the other. I'm simply saying, which is more loving, right? Yeah. Is it more loving to say, no, you can keep your job um, because I recognize that you have a hard time, you know, accepting this vaccine. Um, Isn't that loving as well? Right. And isn't it loving? um, Doesn't it make sense that if I can contribute to helping other people stay safe in my child's school or in my neighborhood or in my home or in the nursing home or in my coworkers that I would uh, receive the vaccine because that's a loving thing to do. In other words, I can it, it, defining what is loving is subjective right. unless you are, unless you are uh, chin deep into the scripture to understand what love is, in which case um, Jesus, is, Jesus says, laying your life down is loving. It is elevating the needs and the um, desires of someone other than yourself. In fact, um, you know, Paul says different different ways a couple different times in the New Testament. He says, love, don't just merely say you love one another, but love takes action, right? Love is an action word. It's not a feeling. It's not a sensation. So, So if I were to kind of use this love your neighbor line, I don't know that I would use that love your neighbor line in this particular Hmm. case. I don't think this is a compelling argument, um, you know, because there's so many other ways to love your neighbor that are legitimately biblical where Jesus is loving his neighbor um, in ways that are very practical and very measurable. Uh, And and I think that the love your neighbor part and this particular uh, argument is very very hard for me to understand and i'm not quite sure it's going it, to i think it could be used to motivate both sides that's right. uh, that's one of the reasons i think it, that it's uh that it's complicated
0: well, also why it's compelling for people to to use as well because <laughs> right it works right? yeah and
1: and how how
0: loving is it to have categories of
1: people now almost sounds self-righteous categories, right? Of the, the vaccinated and then the unvaccinated who are killing people by taking resources or who are, you know, um, um, contributing towards the continued spread. Uh, so again, um, I don't think it's very loving to categorize people and, and, and by the way, the people—the only people who ever categorize people—are the ones who end up in the preferable category. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's only the vaccinated who who are categorizing.
0: It's always loving to be super self-righteous. I think that's the yes. best way to model yes. your love. Yeah. Is.
1: yeah. Right. So as far as that argument goes, love your neighbor. You know, and I felt the same way about the idea that you know people are masking up to love your neighbor. Um, when I thought back about what we did to close services. Uh, you know, and, 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 and there was some resistance to this idea that we're just caving into the government and basically letting them tell us the church is closed. Right. But my theology doesn't define church as meeting together in a building on Sunday morning. I have a biblical view that says the church is a people, and the government can not can close our doors if they want to. But much like some of these um kind of underground churches around the world, the harder the government presses to close them down, the more they spread because the church is a people who can meet anywhere. Right.
0: So. Um, it's similar but, to the narrowly defining love, like you said. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, you're like, well, now we're talking about loving your neighbor. But what, right. what about... Actually, loving your right. neighbor before COVID and exactly. after COVID, and do you know your your neighbors? Do you know their neighbors' needs? Do you contribute right. selflessly? And in and other like, words, there is so many yeah. better ways to live that out than right. say hey, you better put yeah. a mask on. Yeah, it's like the only way that you can say churches is Sunday morning, so you can't let them destroy that. Well, right, that's that's not the way you define the church exactly.
1: And it's ironic too for people, and this happens in all different categories. I think Christians do this all the time, right? It's a little bit it's a little bit odd for someone to say you have to put a mask on and get the vaccine in order to love somebody. And the way that they do that is, is a condescending condemning way. Right. So they're unloving in their way that they're accusing you of being unloving. Right. right. So there's all this kind of inconsistency, but, but generally I would say love your neighbor means something way more specific, way more deliberate, way more action oriented. There's several, there's, there's limitless examples of ways to love your neighbor that um, are a better fit than, than plugging into why um, you have to uh, accept restrictions from government mm-hmm. leaders. But I, I was starting to say that at the beginning, we saw our role as partnering with the government in assisting the government in trying to prevent Mass congregations, right? Yep. Before we knew much about the virus, before we knew about the how it spreads, before we knew about how to mitigate it, right? We literally have this curve. We've been asked to, to flatten the curve, and this is all we have to do is not get a congregation together. Yep. We felt like sure that's fair enough. Yep. That's a way to partner with the the government. And what what's being? I think I think that we're
0: just a long ways away from that right. stage. And even some of the stuff, like I mean. I was a business owner and my business died because of the response and the lockdowns and stuff. But even that it's like, okay, I mean, I'm okay with that. If, if it really contributed to like to saving people and to loving my neighborhood, right? that's the, the extent of selflessly loving. Now I didn't willingly give up my business and all of my art revenue and stuff, but you know, that's kind of the extent of what Jesus is calling us to do. It's not, Hey, Love your neighbor and give yourself up selflessly only until it doesn't infringe upon your own individual liberties as described in the bill of rights yeah, and the right. That's true. So that's kind of another way to, to perceive it as the other side of the argument is, well, you're miss, you're abusing the word love, but you're also are the word love is not contingent upon my individual liberties and my own, you know, the American way of, right. of, of governing. Right. So, yeah. And
1: you've also got issues there when you're thinking of loving your neighbor what about visiting my, um, gathering with my, my elderly family, right, you yep. know, and what about how important is it to be with my elderly family versus, um, putting a mask on for people who could potentially, you know, and there's some, obviously there's some contention on whether or not masks are, right. you know, there's an efficacy there and trying to accomplish the, the, yep. the goal. But, but, uh, again, it's clear cut to love your neighbor in specific ways that, you know, this is seems like uh, such a reach. Uh, at this stage, it seems like a reach. You know, and that brings me to the other argument, submitting to government authority. And by the way, there's so much that could be said about this, Yon. I mean, there's so much yeah. that could be said. I mean, we could... Uh, I would love the, the, for this to be more of a conversation with people that view differently uh, and okay. have different angles because there's no way I can... I'm just scratching the surface. Yeah, And also, you know, it's inconclusive. And my mm-hmm. thought is that if I can kind of get people tracking with the way that i'm thinking that maybe something resonates or maybe something uh, sinks yep. in you know that that didn't before so when i think about transforming our worldview on how we approach submitting to government authority uh i told you that at the beginning our thought was that in first timothy when paul talks about and he says to, and he says to timothy timothy when you're leading your church you know lead them this way partner with mm-hmm. government officials um our, th- our, our expectation then was that we were participating in mitigating and reducing uh, transmission because of what we knew then at the time. Um, so in the submitting to the government, uh, one of the reasons why someone would not do that is because they have, it violates, submitting to the government violates their religious convictions. Right. Um, and that if you have a conviction against something the government cannot enforce that or force that upon you, and you don't have to submit because it violates your conviction. Mm. In other words, there's the law of the land, and there's God's law, and I'm going to submit to the law of the land until it violates God's right. law, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the idea with this submit to government authority. By the way, generally, in almost every other occasion or circumstance, I would say submit to government authority as a means of being winsome in the community, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Definitely. As far as you can, make peace. Pray for your government officials. Um, um, literally, have an amicable relationship with them as much as you can, to, f- to so that they're not irritated, uh, and so that they continue to keep doors open for the advance of the church and right. the advance of God. They may not know that's what's what they're what right. they're doing, but they're not getting in the way because you're irri- you're an irritant. Yeah. I think that's what the intention of what Paul is writing to Timothy. Yep. Um. So on the religious exemption side, uh, I know that there are some who are saying it's a matter of conscience. And this is an interesting conversation because in Romans, Paul writes about what do you do when you are faced with a choice between eating food that has been sacrificed to idols and violating your conscience, right? You're basically endorsing idolatry by by partaking of this food uh, and And in this case too, or in this particular example, he he also references, and Peter got himself in trouble with Paul um, later on when um, Peter was giving in to the religious authorities and the religious people uh, who were Hebrew people who were observing the law, and they were demanding that the Gentiles who weren't Hebrew, when they came to faith in Jesus, that they be circumcised. And the reason was because the law says so. Right. And so they were demanding that they that new believers be circumcised in some cases, Paul is saying uh, there are there are new Christians who are eating they have no idea that they should not eat meat sacrificed to idols and Paul started to describe what do you do when you're you have to make a decision on whether or not you participate in something that isn't clearly described right. as a sin and 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 Paul said and one of the most famous things he ever said is, uh, I actually permit myself to do all things mm. among all people so that I may reach some, right? right. Uh, how does that go exactly? I am all things to healthy. all people yeah. that I may reach some, yeah. right? So I'm uh, I'm making allowances for observing and participating in what the culture's doing right. short of sinning so that I could reach some people. I don't right. let my um, religiosity get in the way of reaching people, right? right. So, so in, in Romans there he's saying there are some matters that are going to come to the surface that are disputable Mm -hmm. they are neither black nor white they are neither sinful or unsinful they're complicated issues and and you have to have convictions that are based and and if you have a conviction follow them but your conviction should be shaped between you and god from the scripture with the aid and the empowerment and the clarity and the illumination of the holy spirit once you own those convictions You should live them with confidence. You also can have confidence to live free from the law. It's called Christian liberty, where you no longer have to follow the law in order for God to be happy with you or to win his approval. That there's some new Christian liberties that emerge that free you from these religious routines. So you have Christian liberty uh, that you can exercise. But Paul says this, there is a limit to your Christian liberty. And the limit is that by your liberty you cause a weak believer, new ish believer to stumble in their faith. He doesn't say that you should avoid things that offend people or that get, you know, lifelong Christians all uptight and right. basically what he says is if your liberty, right, if if you have if you feel like you have the liberty to consume alcoholic beverages, but you are you are around and you're near somebody who has a lifelong addiction and they're battling through it and they just have a new faith. He said, restrict your Christian liberty because you love that person. So love is the only real restriction for so so I, I really think we're on to something with this because when you think about your convictions, are vaccines black and white? Are they right or wrong? In the Bible, can you look and see scripture and verse where vaccines taking some substance into your body um, is a violation of God's black and white? Um, is it a sin against God, right? right. And, and it just seems so hard to find anything. So that would make this a disputable matter, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. And in that case, you need to have a conscience. You need to have, uh, sorry, you need to have a conviction and follow your conscience. And God forbid, he says, God forbid we look down our nose at somebody for accepting something or condemning somebody for accepting something. Right. And God forbid we condemn someone to look down our nose at someone else who um, accepts something or who receives something. Yeah. Um, So... I really think that one of the ways that this is going to be helpful is that people are allowed to follow their conscience, and I do believe it's possible. And I also think it's possible that you could argue, uh, Pastor Dan, you're missing it on this one. Here's why Paul was relating these particular items to this, that, or the other thing. And I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. But if you're looking for a way to guide yourself biblically in a biblical worldview, I do think that it's possible to say now, now. Now you might say well obviously Christians should restrict their Christian liberty because if 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 they if they don't get this vaccine right if they say well I'm I'm free not to get the vaccine well if you don't that's unloving. Right. You know I'm not quite sure that Paul was refer- he was talking about shipwrecking somebody's faith. Is right, somebody's right. faith going to be shipwrecked because yep. somebody uh, you know uh, restricts themselves from getting this right. this vaccine? Probably not. You you might you know, it, they might um, tip over their idols, their sure, religious right, idols, yeah. but you're not going right. to shipwreck their faith. Yeah. Um, so I think that the matter of conscious thing is worth pursuing. Hmm. Um, I have a, I have a, I'm a conscientious objector, but it's not based on God's rules or God's law. It's just based on my own conscience. I'm sure. not comfortable. And then you have to apply that consistently. Right. Yeah. Right. So if I say I, I have a conscious, I'm, I have a, conviction against vaccines does that also mean vaccines for your children to enroll them in school right yeah or does it only mean as of now because biden's the president and he's mandating it right yeah you know did i have the same conviction when my president was in office will i have the same conviction if that president comes back in office or if there's another president who decides that you know these are going to be permanent uh, and, and, and again, the consistent application of one's conviction, I think is worth exploring. Yeah. I think if we're integrous people, we have yeah. to say, is this my conviction for all areas of my life or is this a convenient conviction I've kind of stirred yeah. up for this particular yeah. example? And we
0: joke about how, if the roles, if the parties were different, right? Yeah. The response yes, would be diametrically sure. opposed, right? We right. would be totally different. And, right. Um, I like think there's that's not hard to prove. Right. Just play their own yeah, words exactly, back right. to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so one of the things I think I think one of the things that we generally land on, and we land on it a lot, is in this con- in this conversation, you should be known by your neighbor more for how you love them, not yeah. how you love them compared to what your view is on the vaccine mandate. Right. Right. And this should be able to point to some real tangible ways and say, this person loves me. And I know they love me not because they told me that they got the vaccine for me, but because they're in part of my life. They're serving me. They're loving me, and they're selflessly loving me. Yeah. Um, and then also, people should know you based on how much you are. Your government officials and people should know you based on how much you are supporting them and loving them and helping contribute to the thriving of your communities and their families yes and their families instead of just being like oh there's the christians they're protesting again yeah right that's for sure so when
1: i'm talking about consistently applying your convictions i'm talking about also things that 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 come to my mind when i hear uh, christians say i i am against putting any foreign substance into my body And they say things like, I have no idea what's in that vaccine, or it's too soon to tell what the effects of, of this vaccine are. And then logically you listen to the anti-vaxxers say, well, welcome, welcome to our camp. Welcome to what we've been saying all along. And suddenly, you know, we have all these brand new Christian anti-vaxxers arguing our own case. Right. Right. So. Uh, that makes sense. And, and and even worse, you know, hearing this phrase, my body, my choice from Christians, which is completely understandable. Right, but it's also understandable when the pro-abortion crowd says, "Welcome, right, <laughs> welcome to our side of the argument." It's what we've been saying from the beginning. The government should keep their decisions, their restrictions, their right. policies off my yep. body. Yep. Right now, it's nuanced sure. because it's very different. It's nuanced yeah. <laughs> because we're talking about life. <laughs> we're talking about life. We're talking about conception. We're talking about a heartbeat. We're talking about a soul. We're talking about I mean, but you can still see why they see it as hypocritical. Yep, to say the Christians were. Uh, all for the government intervention in my medical decisions on right. my body. Yep. But now they disagree with the mandate, so all of a sudden now I hear them saying, "My body, my choice," and it's like, yep. "Well, what happened?" This is convenient. Same and,
0: thing for euthanasia and all that. Exactly. Same yep. Yes.
1: Exactly. So, it, it's important for us in our in our in our desire to be salty, to have convictions, to exercise them. Um, I think consistently. And to be very alert to the nuances that, that bring, or I think, embarrassment to the community uh, and to the, certainly to the name of God because of inconsistencies or self righteous application. And, you know, I think that's important for us to, to consider. And when I think about someone saying, well, anti, uh, resisting the vaccine is important to me and i'm doing it because i have sincerely held beliefs and that basically sincerely held held beliefs means that the government recognizes that certain religious uh, uh, institutions or um, uh, factions or whatever you want to call it they have beliefs that they get out of their truth source right whatever book or whatever bible or whatever kind of version of the bible they've got uh, or whatever kind of source that they've got. And those things generate some uh, some beliefs. And so what Christians do is they say, well, here are things we're against, here are things that we're for, and the government has found a way to kind of allow them to practice those beliefs and not meddle and, and get involved in, in, in kind of like um, um, objecting to them because they are that group's sincerely held beliefs. Right. And one of the reasons why I think that we have to be careful that we don't... Uh, refer to sincerely held beliefs when we're talking about the vaccine is because we say as Christians that we are anti-abortion because the life of that baby and protecting that life is a belief that we sincerely hold that's biblical. And there's all these reasons why, as I mentioned earlier, or uh, we might say the reason why our minister, our, our pastor of our church doesn't um, perform same-sex weddings is because we have a sincerely held belief that God has designed marriage for uh, a male gender and a and a uh, female, and he's articulated that specifically in the Scripture. And Therefore, because it's biblical in all these different directions and all these different source points, reference points, it's a sincerely held belief. And I think we have to be careful that we don't elevate medical... Um, vaccine uh medical i mean pills prescriptions sure, and yeah. other types of medical treatments on the same plane or the same weight as we do some moral issues like uh protecting uh you know uh, male female sure. marriage protecting yeah. Uh, the life of the unborn child yep. and to say that we have sincerely held beliefs also that we not get the Fauci ouchie, I think right. is going to yeah. be trouble. It's going to yeah. be troubling down, and, down the path. So down the path.
0: Really. Yeah. Really practical approaches. You can't just keep adding things onto that on a whim because yes. then the government's like, okay, well you're just, that you can right. Just use this as the Trump card for everything. That's exactly so, right. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, to get the jab or not to get the jab. Uh, I, I can summarize. Uh, I think it's a matter of conscience. Yes. Biblically, and love your neighbor. Just love them, yeah. Right? And support your government. Pray for them. And you know, Is this, does this mean we're libertarians? Is this what you've we've landed on? Don't, or, you know, I don't think we should get into that <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now we get to talk about the fun stuff and the important stuff. Of mm. do you support the government mandate that apple picking is the priority over pumpkin picking? That's right. I do. You're an apple guy, not a pumpkin I would, guy? I would, and I wouldn't even
1: mind if it were mandated by the government. It's just that good, and everyone likes yeah, it better. I mean, that's my preference. My preference is, if I was given the choice, we're going to spend the morning, Saturday morning, in a nice, clear sky, crisp breeze, you know, a chill in the air because it's fall in upstate New York. I'm all in on that trip to the apple orchard. And I could go without forever, I mean, my wife probably doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm not at risk here. I could probably go forever without going to another pumpkin patch.
0: Yeah. I don't really get the pumpkin patch thing. Uh-oh. I don't really understand it. Uh-oh. I was at a, we were at a place the other day, and we were like, there was an apple orchard and a little pumpkin patch. Yeah. And I was like, you just walk in the pumpkin patch? And you pick it up, and you pick then it you it up. pay for I was like, it. Like, yeah, I was like, you it's could... It's a gourd. Yeah, I, I mean, mean... They're
1: year-round. Year
0: I guess you could say that about apples. Yeah, but at least there's a... I don't know. At least you can eat some of the apples. See, that's and the, the thing. things you make. You can make things with apples. That's what do you right. make with? I guess pumpkin pie.
1: <laughs> like, why would you take that line of thought? Know, the cooking line. Well, there's the only one thing. Line. What
0: else can you make with pumpkins? Well, that's what I'm saying. You don't have you like. Have there's no, no like pumpkin donuts you and pumpkin no fritters and pumpkin pie. Well, and... I think we're just missing it. You know. but it is true that I, I would probably say the base. What's driving
1: my decision on that preference is is, is has a lot to do with eating. Yeah.
0: where is it? Where are pumpkins prevalent? Are we offending an entire geography of could listeners be. right now? We could be. We apologize, whoever way, you are. By the way, side note, what is your preference
1: uh, on on an apple? What what kind of, when you go, oh, I no what are you idea. looking for? I have
0: no idea. Really? I don't. I, it's I a don't, matter of conscience. So it's you can a matter say of whatever, conscience. Whatever I have saying. no idea what I'm eating or what types of apples I'm eating or... I don't know. I've heard there's something called Golden Delicious, and then there's another one called.
1: Really, you're the that the Ill- illiterate. I don't. Yeah.
0: Wow. I haven't really been in the apple picking scene until this year because my wow two year old we she likes to go. Oh do it, my so. goodness. Okay. Well,
1: so you're just starting out on your journey. Yeah. It's now for years the number one I I understand this Gala. is true. No, was uh, the Red Delicious. Oh. Which is also the number one most despised apple by almost everybody I know. Oh. Uh, I also think for whatever reason we grew up, there was a lot of Red Delicious. It's like they had a deal with the school district or something like mm-hmm. that, you know. Um, but recently, the Honeycrisp has displaced oh. it. So Honeycrisp, um, and then you get your standard Empire, Gala. Those are very, very
0: um, popular We went apples. with some with the bakers, and they're like, well, this isn't the best yes, apples for yeah, baking. Right. There's all different categories, yeah. All right, well. But,
1: man, don't sleep on the Granny Smith.
0: Mm, mm. That Granny Smith. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That just about does it. Thank you for sticking with us. Go get those apples. Sorry for all those people who make your livelihood with pumpkin patching. Uh, forgive us. Yeah. Um. And stay salty out there. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.